there's so many aspects that they're not qualified to do, but they still are asked to do it. It's still something that we have to do. Okay, so yeah, I know your answer. I know your answer. What's but my I'm, answer? I'm about to ask the question, mm-hmm. G-Man. But the question is not for you. It's for Ben. Knowing and listening and understanding the things that we've shared with you, Ben, in regards to ver- in, t- in regards to fixed operations, let's say in particular a service manager, imagine that this department also makes the most amount of profit for the store. Hey, I'm Coach Jay. I'm the G-Man. We've built this podcast for the hardworking men and women of the automotive community. Some of you will listen and be entertained. Others will listen and apply. Our purpose is to provide both. Welcome to the Hard Shop Life. Welcome back to Hard Shop Life. This is part two of the mindset of a millennial manager. In the clip you just heard was the end of episode one where I am setting up a question for Ben, telling him the importance of what we shared with him and getting his insights on this. So pay attention Here we are, episode two, the conclusion of the mindset of a millennial manager. Have you seen the movie Hidden Figures? Yes. No. I recently watched the movie Hidden Figures with my kids. Yeah. It's a tough movie to watch with your kids when they don't understand segregation, racism, all that stuff, right? Right. So we're working through these things as we're watching the movie Hidden Figures. So they have, in the movie, there is a a department in NASA for the colored computers. Computers back then were people who did computations for the rockets, right? Mm -hmm. For how they were going to go on orbit, do all these things. And they had to do the math because they had no actual like electronic computers back then. Mm -hmm. So they do the math, right? They got the white white computers and the colored computers. And at some point in their preparation for John Glenn's orbital mission, they bring in the IBM, right? Which is a big... She takes up a whole room. There's a ginormous, like, it's got tape and all different things, and you punch in this, and it it can do, like, 24,000 multiplication problems per second, right? And so the, the head of the colored computer department sees that this is going to be a threat, mm-hmm. and she goes to the library and takes out a book on Fortran, which is the programming language of the IBM. And she starts reading this book mm-hmm. and she finds a reason to kind of sneak into the IBM room. Now, these guys have been trying to set this thing up. They've had problems with it. They can't get it to work quite right. She starts playing with it, right? Messing around, plugging things in, gets it to work, right? Mm-hmm. And the guys are like, how'd you do that? Where'd you come from? What's the deal, right? So she recognized the problems that were facing her department took the responsibility to educate herself on what she saw as the way of the future and ended up becoming the first colored superintendent, supervisor of a department at NASA. She had white people and black people working under her because she was the one who knew how to work the IBM because she had the foresight to recognize it was the way of the future and she had the chutzpah and the fortitude to go educate herself on how to make it work Mm. right so imagine now you've got that person and imagine now the other person you're considering for the job of supervisor is somebody who says to you i didn't know i don't know nobody ever told me i needed to know 
I wasn't told to do this. I wasn't job. given a class to take. It's not my job. I don't know. Guess what? Who are we going to hire to be the new leader of this new department to manage the IBM? Okay? And that is what separates true leaders from people who have just ended up in the position. Now, the beauty of it is that anybody who has found themselves in the position by accident has the opportunity to make a choice to become the future looking leader by educating themselves. Right? So if you listen to this, you're in that position. That's the question for you. Who are you going to be? Are you going to be the person that says when you're confronted with a problem that says, I don't know, it's not my fault. I don't know. Or are you going to be the person that's going to have something to bring to the table to say, look, I kind of figured this was going to come up at some point. And I've been reading and studying and doing this. And even if you've read and studied the wrong thing, you still showed that you made an effort. Establish yourself as a leader. So what is it about this kid that makes him think that this isn't part of my job? What is that? You want to call it a millennial thing? I don't know if it's a millennial thing. I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> right? It's a, it's a, it's a question. It's a people thing. Because people say it when they're 50. They say it when they're 25. They yeah. say it when they're 75. I don't know. Nobody told me. And that to me, that is the lamest excuse. Before you say, I don't know, you need to say, here's what I tried. And here's what happened. And I, now, now I don't know. That's interesting because we're experiencing the same exact thing of what you're talking about in variable operations where there's a, you know, there's a new sales manager that doesn't know what they don't know. And they're putting in, they're put in, in an environment and they're put in a role because they're good at what they were doing. And now they're being, <coughs> we're, you know, they're being trained to be a leader to lead other people, but they don't know how to, and they're not very good. So at my response to always when somebody says, I don't know, my first question is, well, what have you tried? And if they look at back at me and say, Well, I haven't, I don't know, I haven't tried anything. I'm sorry. Did you think this was a job or you didn't have to try anything? We can put you back down in the position you were in where you really don't have to try that much. We can just give you work to do all day and just like crack the whip over you while you do it. But you're now on the next level. This is the level where we try. Yeah, that, that, this, it, it's really tough, G-Man and, and Ben, for me, because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And yeah, you may be fearful to try, but you don't even know like, what first step to even take. So you look for that guidance. So it goes back to the like, okay, you're being put in this role. Somebody made the conscious decision to put them in this role. They should own some of it. So, so the thing with this kid, right? I'm his coach. I actually was the one who made the recommendation for him to become the service manager because I saw the fundamental like things that make a great leader. So... I share these these things with him and I, I explain it to him and it resonates in him. He accepts what he was at fault of. And now that it's been explained to him by me, his coach, he now understands where he was wrong. And now he's learned from it. Well, that's the thing. Did anybody have to do that for you? No, but no. I think that's why I suffered more. 
I don't know. I mean, part of the struggle, you know, part of the struggle is make is what makes you who you are, right? It's like oh, I think. God, here we go. Well, I, the, we the go. hill. The hill is the way back to the hill. Let's go back to the hill, folks. That's my that's my catchphrase. So I, mean, I was the, the hill kind of guy in the way. The hill is the, the hill, hill is, is the, the way. way. It is. I no, agree. Bullshit. I was the guy that was bullshit. always going to my boss and saying, "Hey, I want to try this. Hey, I want to do this. Hey, what if we looked at this? Hey, what if we looked at that?" And yeah. they were constantly holding me back. Right? Hold on, Ben. Hang on. I'm giving them stuff to think about. Right? And I'm leaving it up to them. Like, can we do this? Can we do? This? Can we spend money on this? Can we do that? Can we buy this system? Can we look at that process? Yeah. And they're like. Oh, this guy's everywhere. He's trying to do all this stuff. I don't know. What can we do? So I, I put them on the dime. Yeah. Right? And they're thinking about, well, I got this new guy. He's asking me all this stuff. Can we do it? I don't know. What can we do? Right? Yeah, but I think you come across as like you, you, you. See, that's another thing that bothers me too because you're eager. And honestly, your boss is probably doesn't want to let you down. But he knows more information than you do to come improve on, anything that you need. I know. But would you rather kick somebody's ass trying to get them to walk? Or would you rather pull back on the reins asking them to, hey, slow down a little bit? What would you rather do? See, that I think that there is that thing. I think it's like you're looking for somebody who's hungry, humble, and smart. And I think that, you know, it's like that humble part of you is you just will do whatever it takes and it just doesn't matter. And that that is something it's hard to teach somebody. And one of the reasons why I asked about millennials in the beginning is, just because is this something that's systemic or is this just this individual? And it, it and I think it's it's an individual thing. He needs to understand that I don't you just do what you have to do. I don't think it's an individual thing. The reason I don't think it's an individual thing because across the country we have another problem with the same thing. We have a young kid that doesn't have a clue. I still that think it's individual. It's a people thing, man. It's I'm so tired of this conversation about millennials. Fing millennials. Sorry, there it's NSW again. Millennials, the only difference between millennials and other generations is millennials were told they have options. Yeah. Right? You can do this. You have opportunities. You have options. And there were some millennials that arrived and were like, I don't know. And there were plenty of other millennials that were like, wow, I can do all this. Where do I start? Okay? So let's not group them all in one. We're not all the same right so yeah, it's an individual thing i would talk to, I, I would say this so wait can we both say i don't i'm just i just want to confirm something for audience members okay. do we both agree that ben is a millennial yes okay i was born in 1988 i'm a great you're a millennial. No, okay. I, after you're done with your thing i have one more thing to say uh, okay um <laughs> all right i just i gotta share with you guys also he, here's my thing and i think <laughs> Um, that like as you go through life and in, in whether it's in, in business or, or just in life in general, there's going to be tests along the way. It, whether it comes in the form of like what we're talking about or you have challenge, you have family challenges or maybe you, you, um, you know, you had a, a lapse in character and you, you made some bad choices, but you're going to screw up. You're going to have, you're going to have problems no matter how you look at it. And it is really your, your, you know, each one of those is an opportunity to learn a lesson. And so I, I don't think like in this case, do I think the guy deserves like to be, let's just say to be removed or pushed down or demoted? No, I don't think so. I think he needs to learn this lesson. And obviously you've taught him that lesson. 
but without you, he needs to learn it on his own. Part of it, like, what does he do when he doesn't have you? The thing I think he needs to get from you the most, what I would say is, as your coach, is that you need to go back to him and tell him he needs to recognize those lessons when they come and learn them because that conflict does not further his career. And I think that's the litmus. That's what you say. Like, what is what is good for me and bad for me? If it furthers my career and gets me closer to my goal, I do it. Whether it's the toilets, washing a car, moving, whatever it takes. It doesn't matter to me. If it gets me closer to my goal, it's the right decision to do. And I think that's really what he needs to learn. And understand that appeasing his boss, regardless of how, let's call it ridiculous. I don't. We don't even really know what it is. But let's just call it the, uh, the ask ridiculous. No matter how ridiculous it is, you you do it anyways. That's what I think. All right, unless so, I'm jumping off a roof. All right, no, hold on. So, so I want to say unless something. it's life threatening, right? Right, right. Just freaking or you're, try you're it. breaching we'll, we'll some ethical boundaries, like. Right. But if it's just like, hey, the toilets are backed up. Go back to our original example. You clean the toilets, like. I think. Right. I so think hold on, hold on, hold on. Nah. So I want, I want to hold on. I just want to make good, sure good. that I that I'm understanding you what you're spit saying. Spit it out. I'm, I just want to make sense. Make sure. G-Man, are you saying right now that these individuals need to learn life's lessons and that they shouldn't be just handed things? Like it, it should be like you got to learn it, right? Okay. It's got to be hard. Okay. To our audience members, one of the best episodes we've had forever. Oh, God. Is season, well, is season two, episode one. <laughs> are you there. winning? Okay. So you heard it for here, folks. Okay, for those of us who've been supporting, oh my God. guess what? We're ripping the f-ing ribbons. There's no more ribbons. I'm a, I'm, I, there, I, there's, my eyes are tearful oh, right now yeah. of joy. The G-Man has finally confessed. You've heard it here, folks. First and foremost, <laughs> the ribbons are gone. No more ribbons. The ribbons are gone. That's what you just said, G-Man. Uh, you just said uh, it. Hey, hey, I'm learning lessons too. It don't matter how old I am. Okay. I'm always learning lessons. And you've been teaching me this one yeah. for several months now. So I think I've learned it. I appreciate the lesson. The, the ribbons Toast are going Jay. back in the box. The ribbons are going back. Amazon gives us 45 days. That shit is going back. No more ribbons. I will tell you this. I, I, I feel like, and you can, you, can, you can correct me, I feel like I've got a couple of good kids. You got great kids. I got great kids. We're not talking about your okay. kids. No, no, no. So hold on. Are these participant ribbons? I'm sorry. I'm coming. There. <laughs> Torch those <laughs> things, man. Exactly. Just Thank torch you. Them. Eighth place ribbon. Guys, you Eighth heard it here ribbons. from a millennial. Jeez. No My kids are like, look at this one I got for completing the soccer oh, What's that you got there? What's that you got? Fifth place. All right. Oh, you, got, you know, Gary give, was give like, that to oh, me. You know. I'll light it on fire. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ben. You obviously are teaching your kids that they this. need to be winners how, and not be winning. Look how pretty it burns. Isn't here that nice? <laughs> So here's the, here's the thing with promotions, man. I mean, here's the thing with promotion. People get promoted. Everybody looks forward to the manager's job because it means they don't have to do certain things. Yeah, that's it. That's I want to get promoted so that I don't have yeah. to do this stuff anymore. And that's exactly And they get right. to the chair and they think, oh, I'm a manager. I don't do that anymore. Right. That is exactly right. And it's just completely the opposite. It's yeah. like, nah, I mean, you don't have to do all that stuff. But there is this whole other section of stuff that you got to do. And some of it is stuff that you didn't have to do before. And some of it is stuff that's lower than what you didn't have to do exactly. before. There's more stuff almost. I always tell the same story. I say, 
you you become a manager and you think I'm the boss, I'm in charge, everybody does what I say, I'm the top of the food chain. But the truth is, is everybody underneath you is your boss now. Yeah. You've just inherited an entire department of bosses because they're watching you to see how you act, how you respond, and the decisions you make, and everybody's watching you. You show up late. You, uh, you, you know, you put your feet up on the desk, you're watching YouTube in your office, you're doing all the things, they're watching you and they're judging you and now they're doing the same thing. You have to work. Now you got to put in extra effort, show up extra early, work extra hard, stay later. So this is something that happened to me as a millennial, as a n- young millennial car salesman. As a participant? I had a sales manager. <laughs> I was, I was like fifth place in the dealership and they were like, listen bud, you suck. Okay, you don't even deserve to be here. We don't even know why. I got I got the shit beat out of me as a young salesman. That's why I'm not a millennial. <laughs> okay? And by the end, by the end, right when I was moving on, they were like, you know what, man, you're one of the few that just really gets it. But anyway, I had this sales manager. We had an eight thirty meeting every Saturday to talk about sales stuff. We were supposed to start off the day, kick off the day, high energy, get a little learning, get a little training, you know, get a little hype, some spiffs, and here's what we we're going to do. And the freaking manager was always 10 minutes late to this thing. So the salespeople would be standing around in his office, which is a big glass bubble like this room, right? Standing around in his office waiting for him to come in. He'd come in, didn't have anything prepared. Like, okay, guys, so let's have a great Saturday. Here's what we got. Right. And finally, somebody gave him some guff one day. It's like fourth or fifth week in a row that this dude was 10 minutes late. And somebody made a comment like, well, we're all here. We're just waiting for you to get started. You know, like, what do you got for us? You know, and this dude came unhinged. And since we're already NSW, I'm going to tell you exactly what he said. He looked at everybody in the group. He pointed his finger at each one of us. And he goes, we need to get something straight here. You guys understand? I'm the manager. And I vowed then and there I would never be him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He's the I'm the boss. He's the that's not I do whatever the fuck I want because I'm the fucking manager. So don't you get on me about being ten minutes late. You show up when I tell you to show up, and I get here when I get here, and you do what I tell you to do. Yeah, and that's not a leader. That's a manager. That's not a leader. She told me I shouldn't have done that back then. You know what? I appreciate it. It's guys, bad. for those who don't see it's the good. camera on me, because there isn't on a, I'm under the desk right now, because that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I was like, if you don't like it, you can leave right now. Yeah. You know what? You can you can say that. You can say well, I mean, when you've showed up 15 minutes early and you've put in the work and you've brought excellence in front of your team, and they're get you're getting nothing back from them. Right? There's no there's no support. There's no buying. There's no work. You can do that. You can draw the line in the sand as the boss. When you've put in the work, yep. and you say, look, anybody who doesn't like it, here, here's where I, this is my side of the line right here. Yep. You want to come out of my side of the line, I'm going to help you get it done. I'll be right there in the trenches with you. If this doesn't sound good to you, there's the door. You can draw that line. You can make that ultimatum when you in our, are in a position of servant leadership. What happens when they leave? You let them go. All of them. You let them all go and you get new ones. If you are that confident in how you have led and you true, first of all, if if you haven't noticed this, if they all got to quit en masse before you fired them individually, that's a failure. 
Yeah, because you're testing these yeah. people all throughout. And not right? everybody passes the test, you know. We we talked about that. The last place that I had left, you know, people cried when I left there. But when I got there and I showed up, people were people were complaining about me left and right. Like it was an HR nightmare. One hundred percent. But that's the thing. They they weren't used to having rules and standards, and they weren't used to somebody drawing a line in the sand and saying, "Look, I understand it, and it's not that you're a bad person, and I really like you." But at the end of the day, I'm over here and you're over there and I need you over here. And so it's okay. If you don't want to do that, I understand. There's just no room for you on my team. You just don't fit. And, you know, there are other places maybe you fit a little bit better. All right, let's give some takeaways here. And, and I want to hear some takeaways on, on two ends of it. One, because I'm still convinced that the, the leader, who's the GM, should have done a little bit different approach of things. Should have probably just set it up a little different, maybe. And second, what do we do for these up-and-coming managers who are millennials, who have to manage millennials because they are the future, they are the generation, and, and the, the generation Xers, Wisers, and Zers, and whatever the hell you want to call them, the TikTokers. You know, how do we encourage them to follow the guidelines, to, to think bigger? To, what is it? What is it do we say to both entities? Because I think we have two audiences here. We have those that are going to be, you know, the general managers, the older, whatever, the, the, the expectations. Like these guys, you know, those – come on, Gary, you see it, bro, all the time. The G, You know, G-Man, you see it all the time. The older technicians are like, I don't want to talk to these stupid kids. Go, 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 go look it up. Go do it. I'm not going to be babysitting you. Yeah. You know? You got to learn the hard way. There's some truth to that. So I was talking about my kids earlier. Yeah, and I'm saying that. that my kids, you know, I, I I feel like I have good kids, and they ended up really good, and they're they're productive, and they're off doing, starting to do their own thing, you know. But I will tell you this: that there was a point which I was worried because I felt like I coddled them too much. I gave them, I wanted them to have every advantage that I didn't have. I wanted to remove the struggle, and I yeah. think it is. It's just what you're talking about right now. And what we've been talking about this whole time is there is a time, a point in time where you have to struggle. In order to earn your place at the table, it has to be that way. And so both my kids now have had to do that. They've gone through adversity and they we've been able to, you know, help them, talk them through it and get them to the other side. And that education is really what makes me feel like they're ready to go out into the world. I can kick them out of the nest. Is that why you taught them to <clears throat> hand feed you grapes and... Uh... And uh, fan you with well, a I'm palm leaf. setting them up to wipe my butt when I'm 80 or 90. So, hey, so I've trained I, there. I, 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 think I think that was a smart move. I've trained hey, mine how to use a bottle opener. Hey, so. if, there's, if, if, we have, if any of our audience members knows how to do it to a French Bulldog, I need that next. <laughs> how about so, you, Ben? What do you think? Uh, we travel for six weeks on the road with five of us. My three kids are nine and under. Nine, six, four, I guess. My wife's pregnant. We traveled the country for six weeks in, a, in an 18-foot trailer to tell the story of dealership life. And my kids each had a 12-inch by 10-inch little bin, right? It's probably four inches tall of their personal items, their toys that they could bring along, right? Their Legos, their Barbies, or whatever it was. Whatever they could fit in the little bin, took along. And we had the most wonderful time on the road. We were worried about this. They were not going to have enough to keep them occupied, that they weren't going to be happy, that they were going to miss their toys and their rooms and all the stuff we had at home and the TV. We didn't watch any TV on the road. Mm. 
And exactly the opposite is what happened. They were so happy. We, we, there's always something going on. We were always on the move. We were always outside. They had their toys. They hardly even played with the toys they came with, right? They learned, I mean, they played with rocks. They played with sticks. They used their imagination and did things. As soon as we got home, the turf wars began. I mean, not an hour into the time when we were home, the, the, the turf wars of this is my stuff, that's your stuff. There were fights and it all started. I'm like, nah, we learned nothing, you know, being on the road. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes in, in giving too much, like you say, with your kids, we enable this bad behavior, mm -hmm. right? And so the question for me is always, how do we, how do we give just enough, but to leave room for imagination, mm -hmm. right? And for, for improvisation, right? To learn to play with the things that aren't clearly defined as our playthings, mm -hmm. right? How do we... You know, re, re, how do we keep that sandbox mentality of like, let's build it together. So I don't know. I don't know what the big takeaway is for that, whether it's a millennial thing, whether it's a workplace thing, you know, whatever. I just think, you know, rather than thinking, what can you do for me? I want to be the person that says, what can I do for you? Yeah. Right. Whether it's the customer, whether it's my coworker, what can I do for you? What can I help you? And the way the world works, it just is true. The stuff comes back to you. It just yeah. does. And people will say it doesn't, and they've been doing it for years, giving more than they receive, and all. I don't want to get into all that. Just accept it as a fact. And when you focus on what you can do for others instead of what others can do for you, it changes things fundamentally. I agree with Ben 100%. So, G-Man, I want to say this. Sincerely from my heart, what I want to do for you is I'm going to burn the shit out of those ribbons. <laughs> those things are gone. It's over. You've been thinking it's about over. this the whole time. Ben's the whole talking. Time. The whole time. The whole time. Way, about that's awesome. I, 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 I want the ribbons gone. Ribbons. This is. See you from Kalamazoo. <laughs>